Hey guys, we're back. Episode two of season two of Mom School. I cannot tell you guys how happy I am to be doing this again. It makes me really happy when people will message me and say that they connected with the conversation I had with Myla, how to enjoy parenting more. This episode is with Chelsea Bodie from Mama Psychologists. The Instagram handle is at Mama Psychologists. She runs this business with her best friend, Caitlin. They are psychologists, obviously, specializing in motherhood, postpartum anxiety, depression, and birth trauma specifically. But I just re-listened to this conversation and what I hope women feel when they tune in here, what I hope mothers take away is just this feeling of comfort and grace in knowing that they're doing a really good job at a really hard job and they're not alone. And what we see depicted in the movies and social media and whatever else isn't accurate. We all have hard days. We all have our struggles and we're all in this together. Motherhood can be really isolating. I know there are times where I'm not alone physically ever, but I feel very alone. I hope that when you listen to this, you know that you're not and you feel comfort in knowing that you're not doing a bad job. You're doing a great job. We talk about a lot of common keyword, common issues that mothers are facing right now. The guilt and shame that comes with any anger and rage mothers feel. We talk about burnout and these simple, like realistic, practical ways that you can take care of your basic needs and just tune in with intention to how you're feeling and how to emotionally regulate yourself so that you can be that anchor for your family. Chelsea is clearly very, very good at what she does. She gives me some insight on why she thinks we're the first generation to adopt this gentle, conscious parenting movement. And she just gives us the grace to fuck it up sometimes and just keep going. Got a lot of pressure. We got a lot of comparison. We got a lot of crap going on. And just, you know, run your race, stay in your lane and know that you're doing a really good job. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You can connect with Chelsea and Caitlin at Mama Psychologists on Instagram. Their book, Not Your Mother's Postpartum Book, is available for purchase now. Enjoy. I say we a lot. So even though I'm the only one here right now, so bear with me if I say we. I talk about the royal we of Caitlin and I. So Caitlin... She had her baby before I did. I had my first and she had her second. They were like a month apart. And so when we were going through that postpartum period, Caitlin struggles a lot with the postpartum anxiety. It's really significant, like trouble leaving her house, like those kind of things. And then when my son was born, he was born 12 weeks early, actually. So we were in the NICU for about three and a half months, three of those months away from our home because our local hospital couldn't take care of a baby at that high needs. And so we were kind of in the thick and the fog of this postpartum journey together. And one day Caitlin was like, should we put some resources out there for moms? I feel like there's nothing out there. And in my Nikki postpartum fog, I was like, sure, that's like a great idea. That's kind of how mama psychologists started. We were like, maybe we'll get like a local following, you know, it'd be really nice for us because we're quote unquote equipped to 
handle this and do this and all of these things. And we were floundering and we're like, we can't be the only ones feeling this way and, and struggling. And so it was a really interesting, like healing journey for me after going through the NICU and we became so passionate about it and it just kind of blew up from there. It's kind of been a wild ride. It goes to say, I feel like a lot of women say that they feel really alone in the beginning and isolated. And like you said, it blew up and it blew up because so many women can relate to whether it's birth trauma or a NICU stay or postpartum anxiety. There's so much there that's unfortunately universal or it can be universal. What are some of the common issues that you see mothers facing right now? Burnout is a really big one. I don't know if it's coming like post-pandemic, post-pandemic kind of stuff or returning to normalcy a little bit. That's been a big one we hear about, especially with, you know, lots of moms working outside the home or working from home and being the primary caregiver. There's a lot of burnout that we hear about. Anxiety is another big one as well, especially I think it's also more talked about too. Like we heard postpartum depression was kind of all of the rage. Everyone was talking about it, right? And now we're kind of shifted to including postpartum anxiety, which I think is really great to see, but that's another one we hear about a lot. And I think birth trauma is another one, but that could be because that's one of the areas that I practice in and, and focus on in my local community. But we do hear a lot of just my birth experience was not what I expected and, and I'm struggling. And you have to grieve that on top of adjusting to motherhood, which is a very complex experience. Love to dive into burnout a bit more. One of the foundational concepts here is you have to take care of you to be the best mom. And I really like to challenge that martyrdom belief of be selfless, give it all, do it all, and be really happy. I find that when I'm true to myself and what I want to do and I'm taking care of myself. It just ripples out to being able to take care of everybody else. What are your thoughts on taking care of mom and having her be her best self and how that relates to burnout? Well, I think it's so important. I don't love the word self-care anymore because I feel like it's (laughs) overdone, right? It's so over. It's like the word triggers trauma, self-care. I don't even know what they mean anymore, but I hear you. Exactly. What I like to kind of refer to is like basic needs. Are you meeting your basic needs throughout the day? And it sounds so simple, but when you're in the thick of it, it's really not like my clothes are covered in whatever. I have no idea. And I haven't eaten. I haven't slept. And those things go out the window so quickly. So taking an hour for yourself would absolutely be great and lovely but might not be realistic for some people right now. So let's go back to the basics and go to the basic needs. Are there ways you can be more intentional about it? Maybe it's, okay, your kids are crying or having a bit of a meltdown, but can you just grab that coffee and have like one sip for yourself while it's hot and then go and deal with them, right? Or is it, can you go and take a minute and change your clothes? Do you need like a sensory break because you're touched out? What does that look like for you? And just trying to make it a little bit more realistic. I love that you say be intentional about it. I found myself in the beginning kind of just scrolling or just Mm -hmm. doing a mindless activity where I could have redirected that energy that I've been aware of it to something that maybe would have had a more positive influence. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But you don't think about it, right? Because your kids' needs often come first and that's your focus. And that's the primary thing that you're wanting to invest your energy into. But then I think moms forget, okay, but if you're running on empty, what are you giving too? Right. And it's that cheesy metaphor of, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, but you really can't. And so that's why when we talk about burnout, we talk about like needs and those kind of things and how they're being met or not. I feel like a lot of women also struggle with guilt when it comes to even basic needs, right? We see all of these memes and things online, a shower, a self-care. What are your thoughts on why we feel guilty to take care of ourselves? It's a complex thing. Part of it, I think, is that internal dialogue, right? Like we value our kids so much. We want to invest in them. We want to do all these things. So it's kind of coming from that internal place. The other part of it is also, I think a little bit social media, right? That comparison trap, that seeing the highlight reel of everybody else's life. You see the perfect hairdo or whatever. And then you're like sitting there with your big mom butt and you're like, oh, I don't look like that. Or I'm not doing that. What am I doing wrong? She has all these perfect meals and her kids look so cute and she looks beautiful. And I feel like I can't even get one of those things done. I think having that visual representation. Social media is a double-edged sword, but it can be great and can be harmful. So just having that exposure, I think sometimes heightens that guilt a lot as well. Absolutely. And that's what I hope this podcast is, is I'll post beautiful photos. And I hope people know that behind those beautiful photos was a bribe for a lollipop (laughs) and like a huge (laughs) tantrum about brushing the hair, you know, the comparison trap can be super tricky and it bleeds into the guilt and the anxiety on like, it. I want to post beautiful pictures of my kids too, right? You don't want to do the ones where you're like snots coming down because they've just been screaming at you and all of those things, right? And it's totally about balance, but it can just be so hard for moms to see that or just like to think like, oh, their house probably does look like mine. And that one corner that they took that picture is where they like threw all the things behind them. <laughs> exactly. If you could see the pile of crap behind me because I moved everything out to take this photo... One of the reviews that you had on, I think it was a course you offered, a woman wrote, I now have the skills I need to remain calm and everything seems so much more manageable now. We all want that. What Mm -hmm. did you teach this woman? You know what, when we talk about like from a parenting perspective and like managing the big feelings, the big emotions, the tantrums, whatever you like to call them, a lot of it is partly your own regulation, right? Like trying to remain the calm in the storm, which is so hard. It's so much easier said than done, but it really is combating it with, we're all about more of that conscious, gentle parenting, if you want to call it that, and fostering that emotional regulation within your own kids, which is hard. It takes time and practice and adults aren't good at it either all the time. And so it's finding that balance of, okay, are you able to help yourself regulate and stay calm in the moment and also then help teach them their emotions are okay. Their emotions are bad, right? Kids aren't doing these things to be manipulative, typically, especially toddlers, right? Maybe a teenager might be a little different, but when we're talking toddlers, you know, they really are just unable to manage their emotions. So it's really providing and being that space that, you know, these emotions are okay. Maybe the behavior isn't okay. You can't hit, you can't bite, scratch, whatever the behavior might be, but the feeling behind it is okay. You can be mad. You can be sad. You can be upset. You can feel like it's unfair, right? All of those things. I feel like we're the first generation to really lean into this gentle parenting. I know when I behave in that way around my parents, they're like, 
what are you doing? But here I am 34 years old with an anxiety disorder and a bunch of weird hangups. Why do you think that is? If you agree with me, why do you think it is that this movement is blowing up? I think part of it is being aware. Our parents maybe did the best they could with what they knew, right? I don't know if the knowledge and the research was necessarily out there on what emotional regulation can do for kids. I think that's part of it for sure. I think it's also accessibility, right? The information is out there in a different way. Again, going to like social media and online and all these resources, <laughs> I think people are able to learn more about it. There's a lot of like reflecting on your own childhood. I think when becoming a parent, what did they teach me that I want to carry forward? And what do I maybe want to do a little bit differently? And sometimes in the moment, it can be very hard to parent in that way. But I kind of think about it as it's going to be like a short-term struggle and a long-term reward. So like in this moment, instead of me just snapping and then they do what I want, I'm going to pause, be aware, behave in a way I choose. And then down the road, they will hopefully be a more secure, emotionally healthy adult. Am I getting it right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's hard, I think, too, because we have to find that of, okay, I can make mistakes. I can lose it. It's not going to damage my child in the moment. I've lost it on my kids, right? We're human. That's part of it. And so finding that, okay, I'm going to really be active and really try to make these choices and help them foster this emotional regulation, but also recognize that I'm going to make mistakes or I'm not going to do it hundred percent of the time. Or some days I might yell and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom. And in those moments where we lose it, what do we do? You know, for example, my son, I yelled at him and I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, mom yelled. I shouldn't have yelled in that moment. And then he'll go, it's okay, mom. <laughs> and then you that's just the worst. I feel bad about it. And my daughter's like, I'm over it. You know, it's like I'm being harder on myself than anybody's being on me, you know? For sure. And they're so forgiving, right? Kids in that nature, they're like, okay. And they just like move on, which is kind of a beautiful lesson in there. I think we could learn from sometimes, but yeah, it's really just about acknowledging it and then moving on. Like it's okay. This is exactly what I love. You just are giving mothers the grace to fail sometimes, to make mistakes, to not be perfect. And just keep going. Hoping toolbox for when shit hits the fan. Around 4 p.m. in my house, high emotion time. What are some tools that are in your toolbox? One of my absolute favorite actually is what I call sensory breaks. Am I hungry? Am I clean? Am I tired? And it's just like taking a moment to ask yourself these questions because if you're tired, obviously you can't just go take a nap, but maybe you can give yourself a bit of grace and know like, okay, I'm not functioning at 110% right now. Like I'm just going to be a little bit more reactive or I'm, I'm going to feel a little bit more stressed. Am I hungry? Is, you know, do I need a drink? Do I need a snack? Is there something I can do? Am I clean, right? Am I covered in stuff from the day and I just need to change my shirt or change my pants? Do I have time for a shower? My other favorite tool is sensory break. So parenting is loud, right? Motherhood is loud. You're touched out, you know, toys go off all the time. Kids scream. Sometimes we just need that sensory break. So is there a way for you to just not be touched for a couple of minutes? If your kids are playing safely, can you put in headphones and just block out the noise or listen to something that you want to listen to? I say bathroom just because that's typically the only place that has a lock on the door. So I don't want all these moms to go hide in the bathroom, but I'm going to say go into the bathroom, you know, lock the door for a minute, even like turn off the lights, take a couple deep breaths, like as a reset, and then go back out. 
the witching hour, sometimes it's called, or like four to bedtime. It's just like, everyone's like on edge and exhausted. And so sometimes just taking a couple minutes, even like 30 seconds to do some of these things can really just help carry you through. What are some tips you have for a mother's emotional regulation? So as cheesy as it is, deep breathing is one of the biggest ones. It helps you regulate your nervous system. So we want deep breaths. So even just taking a couple deep breaths in the moment can be helpful. Sometimes even depending on your child, sometimes they just need space. The tantrum is going to be there. The behavior is going to be there. And so they just need that space to have those feelings. And so sometimes if you want to just like sit on the floor, it sounds funny, but sometimes that can even be grounding, right? If you just sit on the floor, you can visually see them. They're having their feelings, but you're just kind of away in the room. Also getting to their level, which is what you're doing by getting to the floor can be helpful because it's going to help them, you know, make that eye contact and all of those kind of things. It also shifts the power dynamic a little bit because we're obviously bigger, we're taller. I say that lightly. My son will probably be taller than me early. For now. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes just having that contact and being able to help them regulate, even regulate yourself. If your kid likes touch, then like those big hugs can sometimes be helpful and help you regulate as well. In the beginning of motherhood, a big part of my struggle was I wasn't enjoying every moment. And I felt really guilty and like there was something wrong with me and maybe I was just a negative person. I was struggling. And then I learned about this concept of being overstimulated. And I was like, that's what's happening. And it happens to other people. That's great. So these little micro moments to just, you know, I'm not bad. I just need a minute. It's normal. Oh, totally. And you know what? I don't know if it's because our brains rewire a little bit, right? And are we more sensitive to sound? Is it just that motherhood is loud? I don't know where it comes from, but I think most people will find that there are moments where they're like, it's too loud. Like I can't deal. You have a graphic on Instagram and it's eight things that every mom needs to hear. This might be my favorite one. The first one says, you can trust your intuition. What do you mean by that? You know, I think it's that there's so much second guessing, right? In motherhood, we try to make these decisions where everything feels like a decision, right? Even what they eat or what you're going to give them in a cup or what cup you're using, right? Everything feels like a big decision and everything feels like there's weight and meaning behind it. Even if it's, so I give them the sippy cup with the straw without the straw, does it really matter? Give yourself permission to trust yourself. Like it's okay to just make decisions as a mom. And you know what? You can go with your gut. You can trust yourself. You can know that you're the best mom for your child. It's just giving yourself permission to recognize that. There are many ways to be a good mom. What do you mean? What we mean by that is there's so much hot topics, right? As parents, right? Like sleep, how you feed your newborn and screens are typically like just big topics or baby led weaning versus like purees and all of those things, right? Everything is like, it's only one or the other. And so it's really that as a mom, you can make many different choices and that they can still be good choices for your family, right? If you choose to sleep train, because that's what you need to do, then you are a good mom. If you choose to not sleep train, that's okay. You're a good mom, right? There's no right or wrong in those instances. And it's okay to give yourself permission to make them. I love that. And the next one, you are the parent your child needs couples along with that. There's a lot of judgment. Your in-laws have an opinion. Your friends have an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion on how you're doing it. Do you have any tips for tuning out that noise? It's often going back to what you value, right? Like what matters to you? And you know what? 
Some people are really about like diet, let's say, for example, and they're really like, okay, I want my kids to have these certain foods or to be exposed to these certain foods. And that really matters to me. I'm just going to let the other stuff go. Right. And it's really focusing on what matters to you and what matters and values you have in your family and trying to set those boundaries around that, which is so hard. I like saying it like it's no big deal. And <laughs> I recognize that it's not, but what's your value? Why do you value it? And how do you set those boundaries? And that's just like stating what they are. Typically, I find boundaries are easier to set if you know why you're setting them. Oh, that's good. Boundaries and people pleasing have been a big project of my own in my own family, my own personal development and things I'm working on. Can you talk a little bit about boundaries as it pertains to motherhood and just in the context of being a human being? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about boundaries, really, it is that Sometimes it's that unsolicited advice. Sometimes it's, you know, the meaningful comments that are hurtful, that are well-intended. Sometimes it's the actual physical boundaries, depending on if your family just like, or friends just drop by your house and you're like, oh, that doesn't work for me. It's just really trying to find, okay, what am I okay with? And what am I not? I really try to encourage flexible boundaries because I think sometimes when we set really rigid boundaries, we get almost harder on ourselves because we're like, well, some people need rigid boundaries. I shouldn't say that, but when we're like, okay, I'm going to set this and I have to keep it. And they're like, there's those opportunities where you're like, no, I would be okay if this was like a little bit flexible, or I would be okay with manipulating this for this person or allowing this to happen. So it's really finding like, okay, where are those allowances for those boundaries and what your boundaries are? Can we talk a tiny bit about anger and rage in motherhood and why you think women experience it and what we can do to help? So rage is interesting. It's starting to be talked about a lot, but I don't think it was for a very long time. And I think that's because there's a lot of shame that comes with that emotion. Like people are very guilty. People feel ashamed to feel anger. And it's scary, right? Sometimes they're like, I'm so angry and I don't recognize this in myself. And so it's hard to talk about, but it's really, really common. A lot of moms will talk about feeling angry and resentment. And so often we look at it, it's a natural emotion, right? But also it's often a signal of like an unmet need. So what need of yours isn't being met. Again, that's why we go back to those basic needs. It's all tied together. Um, <laughs> but if you're not meeting your needs, right. Or, you know, your partner is able to have a break and you're not, and then you're resentful and then they go out and you're like, I'm stuck at home. And right. It can be this cycle and anger can also feed other emotions too, right. Like that anxiety or that low mood or that burnout, right. They can all be connected. So it's kind of just trying to get to the root of it and say, okay, I'm feeling angry. What is my unmet need? Can we talk about mommy mantras, what yeah. they are and how to use them and why we use them? So a mantra is something you can say to yourself in high stress moments or proactively if you want, or just as like a self-compassion kind of thing. Typically what they are is a way to like self-validate. So we really want to validate your experience and your emotion in the moment. So for example, for tantrums, he or she is having a hard time not giving me a hard time, right? My child is not trying to make my day awful. They're just having a hard time right now. Can be a really good one in those moments of frustration or having an off day does not make me a bad mom. Does not make me ungrateful, right? You're allowed to have your own emotional experiences and it doesn't take away that you love your kids. One thing that isn't maybe talked about is it's hard, right? Emotional regulation when you are a parent is hard because you are constantly pushed to your, your limits. You're constantly regulating yourself. You're tired, you're sleep deprived, like all of these things. And so it's something that we have to also learn with our children because we've never had to do that before. And if you have more than one child, you still have to learn it because then you have a different child and they're different temperament. 
but let's say my son is having a hard time and this is like the third or fourth tantrum of the day. I'm tired, right? And so sometimes I'll say like, mommy needs some space. So I'll set him up with an activity or if we haven't had screen time, sometimes if we need to like take that break, I'll set up some screen time or an activity and say, mommy needs some time, which isn't always possible, right? Especially in those high moments when he's losing it. And then (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to lose it. Like I can feel it, right? You know, you feel that bubble and you're like, oh, it's like going to happen. Sometimes I will do what I say. So in terms of like, we'll go and sit in our rocking chair that he has in his room because I'm like, okay, we both need a reset. I lost it. You're losing it. Let's just go sit down. And usually he'll snuggle with me on the rocking chair. And that's just a good grounding thing actually for me because I'm like, you're so small still. You're such a baby still. You're not an adult who knows how to do this. So that's another thing that can be really helpful for us, right? Is just taking that moment, like that reset and resetting together, right? Like I know lots of times we'll do that for our kids and give them like a quiet moment or, you know, those kind of things. And I'm like, actually, I I need that. I need that quiet moment. You mentioned screen time. Give me a little background on your thoughts about it. So when we talk about screen time, we're really talking about quality versus quantity. So we always argue to, you know, pay attention to how your kids are responding to the screens and what screens you're using and what shows they're watching. So some kids react differently to different shows. So finding which ones that you feel like they're not too overstimulated with. And we go over the research, we go over high quality versus low quality. We go over like different types of screen usage. So you can find all of that in our screen time workshop that's on our website mamapsychologist.ca. I think it comes down to that is like that self self-care. Is I the know word. we got to oh, think of I, another term. Um needs, right? Self needs. It's a way to just recognize that you have needs too, you matter and it's important to also take care of yourself and give yourself permission as hard as it is guilt-free to do those things. Now you guys have a book. Yes. And yes. I almost named this podcast not your mom's podcast. I was going <laughs> to I almost did and I didn't, but will you tell me a bit about your book? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a labor of love. Um, So I guess the premise behind it was there isn't really a mother's postpartum book. There's lots about baby. There's lots about baby's milestones, what to expect when you're pregnant, how big your baby food is when you're pregnant, all of the things, right? And it really is the physical side of becoming a parent. And we're like, but what about the mental side? That's what feels so important here. And so we really wanted like a one-stop shop for moms in pregnancy, postpartum, even years beyond, we would argue that there's some topics that at least half the book would still be relevant. We also recognized that moms don't have time to read a whole book. Like I'm struggling with this and this, and I don't have time to read a 200, 300 page book on this topic and learn all about it. And so we really just wanted to create a space for information. You can read the whole book. You can just go to a chapter that's impacting you and also have some practical strategies at the end of each chapter, as well as some of our favorite resources, because We know that each situation is unique and we want you to be able to tailor it to kind of your own unique experience. But, you know, if you can't get into the therapist, if you're unsure of where to go or you don't have the time at the moment, then at least there's some practical tools that you can also utilize in trying to just support yourself in those ways. What are some of the topics you guys cover in the book? We tried to do it kind of alphabetically, but it didn't turn out that way. (laughs) We did birth trauma, breastfeeding and formula feeding and other types of feeding, of course. And I say that because my son actually came home on a feeding tube. So just being mindful of the different ways that babies can feed. We talked about perinatal mood disorders, mom guilt, mom shame, 
the mother wound, social media relationships, all of those things are in there. How can people get in touch with you and reach you and connect with you? So the biggest place our presence we're on is actually Instagram. We don't have a podcast or anything like that. I haven't been brave enough. We pretend we know what we're doing on TikTok. So you can find us on there, but we're like the old ladies on there that were like, so am I? I'm not dancing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, of course our website, mamapsychologist.ca, Facebook. We have a Pinterest account. So you can kind of find us anywhere, but Instagram okay. is definitely the main place. 